Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mel Hammer podcast, episode 146. I am Mel from Mel Hammer. Hello there. I am joined today by the one and only Mel Hammer writer extraordinaire and generally lovely man, Mr. Stephen Hill. Hello, Steve. Hey, Mel. How you doing, mate? You good? I am good. Currently reeling, like I imagine a lot of metalheads are, at the, quite frankly, insane start to the year that we've had in 2021. I mean, last week... We, of course, talked about the shocking loss of Alexi Leho. Uh, this week, we're about to talk about something similarly shocking, but just in a whole different universe, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, but before we get into all that, uh, the latest issue of Metal Hammer is out now. It is our big, new, heavy, spectacular, four exclusive different covers to collect, four bands on the cover of Metal Hammer for the very first time ever, celebrating the here and now, the future of music, uh, it's exciting stuff. We've got Mongolian Metal as The Who on there, Satanic Doo-Wop as Twin Temple, uh, Underground Pagan Sensations, Highlung, and New Zealand Metal as Alien Weaponry, all with their own cover. So whichever one out of those you fancy the most, you can go and get it right now in shops across the UK. Uh, as I mentioned last week, we are just about to drop the bundles for all these bands as well. So if you're a big fan of The Who or a Twin Temple or Highlung or Alien Weaponry, or any combination of all those bands, stay tuned to the Mount Hunter socials. We are literally just about to unveil these uh, these special bundles we've been putting together. They're like 99.9% ready to roll out, and they are worth the wait. So watch out for those. Uh, and, of course, as always, if you fancy subscribing, it's always the most cost-effective way to support the magazine, and it's in many ways the best way to support the magazine. So we appreciate all our subscribers very much. Uh, you get your issue before anyone else. You get exclusive covers, uh, when we do gifts, you always get those, of course. Um, and uh, I think we've got a new deal that's going to roll out next week. But in the meantime, go over to Magazines Direct and uh, you can find out how to subscribe and join the Metal Hammer family. We appreciate you all very, very much. Right. Let's do this then. John Schaefer from uh, Iced Earth. <laughs> My God, not something uh, I was expecting to be talking about when we put last week's podcast to bed. I think this... this um, shit show of a situation kind of uh, exploded across the internet pretty much just after we'd recorded and, and posted last week's show um so yeah you can't can't really make this any more bizarre than just by reading exactly what happened so ice earth's john schaefer uh, was photographed in amongst the angry mob that stormed the u.s capitol during the uh the trump protests slash um let's say before they are the trump riots that happened uh, last week uh just absolutely mind-bogglingly ridiculous and insane um i'd say it goes without saying that uh it's you know this is not good to see a prominent metal figurehead involved in something like this um but we'll say it anyway it is really not good at all to see a prominent metal figurehead involved in something like this we know that uh there are various figures and bands in the metal scene that have differing political points of view, some with quite dubious political points of view, let's be honest. But this is uh, this is something just quite beyond the pale. Um, I guess what's quite interesting is the kind of ongoing debate that is not so, so much sparked, as I guess, poured more petrol on, because it's a debate that's been going on for years now about the kind of the presence of politics within the metal scene the divisiveness of politics within the metal scene. Um, Jose Mangan tweeted something, actually, which is kind of, I guess, 
been a little bit controversial itself um and it's kind of obviously in the wake of this crazy crazy thing that's happened involving john Schaefer. uh last week he tweeted common ground equals heavy music let's focus on what we all hold close to our hearts and for us metalheads it's our music what happens when someone falls in a mosh pit do we ask them who they favor politically or do we just automatically pick them up and continue rocking. So Jose's a big um, metal radio DJ over in the States. Um, seems like a nice guy, kind of does a lot of curating for festivals and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and he obviously posted this, I mean, I think almost a day or two after um, this bullshit involving John Schaefer has been revealed. Uh, and, you know, it's not going down very well. But a lot of people kind of have had things to say about it. Our own L, uh, deputy editor and, and regular person on this podcast, um, had something to say about it. He did kind of clarify his statement uh, later on, saying that this is a general wide-reaching statement. In no way am I saying to forget about racist, domestic terrorism acts committed. I'm coming at this from a fisheye lens. We need to find commonality more than focus on our differences. We'll never get better and unite until we do that. So... This whole thing's opened up a really interesting or reopened up an interesting debate, hasn't it, about metal and, po- metal and politics, people having different political opinions, where people draw the line on what they feel comfortable. We're seeing a lot of people talking about iThirst be- being cancelled and chucking away their CDs and all this kind of stuff. We're seeing other people say they don't give a shit about what, some- what an artist does. Um, uh, and, I- and I guess the kind of the sentiment that, Jose is expressing, which is, you know, forget about politics. We're all here because we love music. Let's all just be friends uh, is being seen as increasingly problematic. Um, I mean, if ever there was the limit to kind of test this whole thing and where people's lines are, <laughs> I would say bum rushing a, a government building uh, in an act of potential treason could be, <laughs> could be right up there. Um, what are your thoughts on all this, Steve? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think any kind of actual criminal activity, we don't need to get into who has committed criminal activity within the music scene. You know, I'm talking about there are lots and lots of people. I'm sure that load have just popped into your head straight away. I think when you're talking about someone committing actual criminal activity, it's kind of fine to go, hmm, I don't really think that that's a a particularly nice person or somebody that I want to associate myself with. I think there are obviously levels and variants to the other ways in which people behave. I think I've mentioned on this show before that I mentioned uh, that I interviewed Barney Greenway from Napalm Death a little while ago. And we were talking about the idea of, I spoke to him about for want of a better word, because I don't really like the terminology, but cancel culture. And he said that, you know, the difference between somebody who has conservative values um, is is not the same as someone who is, I guess in John Schaefer's case, a, an outright criminal who has committed criminal activity. Um, and I think these sort of things need to be looked at with a bit more nuance than they probably are being looked at on social media these days. As for Jose Mangan, I don't know the guy. Um, I do think as a sort of disclaimer, anyone who just thinks their personality is the type of music they listen to, I think is a little bit, um, I think it's sad that that's, that you base your entire personality solely on a couple of records you bought. I know that people do, but if you think that's enough to make you, I think it gives, it gives you a starting point with people. Like, you know, I, 
I used to go to football. I support Portsmouth Football Club, and we have some really horrible fans. One of our fans punched a horse a couple of years ago. I'm not. I don't have much in common with that guy. I'm pretty sure, other than that, we both cheer for the same football team. So, you know, it's it's quite. It's quite galling to see people go, that should be enough. No, no, it, it shouldn't be enough. But at the same time, I feel a little bit sorry for the dude because ultimately, whether or not it was ill-judged or mistimed, anyone who is trying to put out some kind of sentiment of positivity into the world, for them to get smashed down as hard as he got smashed down, I do think it's a little bit of a shame to be perfectly honest, that somebody would be so quick to go, no, 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 because it's fuck you. Like uh, that, that whole, this swirling <laughs> mass of hatred towards everything and everyone from either side of the divide of whatever this is, whether you like metal or movies or sports or whatever it is that, you know, like, that, that doesn't matter. Ultimately, um, but I do think it's mad when someone is just trying to go, wouldn't it be nice if we all found some sort of commonality that gets kind of cracked down straight away? Um, that is a shame. But then saying that, I don't necessarily agree with what you said either. So it's a, it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, and, and I should think in terms of like, you know, we're definitely not here to start speculating over other people's politics and all that shit but mm. um jose did retweet the you know quite uh astonishing kind of state of the nation-esque address that arnold schwarzenegger yeah. uh, only laughed because i mean arnold schwarzenegger is a former politician so mm. it, i guess it's not that weird it's just it's just just such a strange world we live in but um arnold schwarzenegger you know put a very moving speech up about his experiences as an immigrant and uh, he, uh, uh, kind of what it means to be American, and um, and, and you know, uh, Schwarzenegger is a is a Republican. So, I, so me personally, my personal ethics and stuff, I don't agree with a ton of stuff it, it, that he will agree with. But I mean, he and that kind of said in no uncertain terms that Donald Trump was the worst president ever, and we're not going to get into that right now. But you know, Jose retweeted that, and it, it, it's obvious kind of that he's not. Some kind of like, he's not, I don't think his point was supposed to be necessarily like, oh, I'll leave off like, you know, neo Nazis and kind of Trump terrorists, guys. But um, I think it's just maybe a little ham fisted and not the best uh, way to kind of, maybe not the best time to to communicate that kind of uh, kind of sentiment. I mean, yeah. I mean, the timing's the thing, isn't it? If you'd have done this, if he'd have said that if in the aftermath of, um, I don't know, George Floyd or something, you know, where you had a lot of people going, oh, you know, the Blue Lives Matter, whatever. Do you know what I mean? If that had come out then, people might have been. But then people on the other side would have said exactly the same thing to him. So there's no real way of winning. I mean, what that ultimately is, is somebody going, here's a little seed of something trying to poke through the the grit some little seed of positivity mm. people have stamped all over it and gone no i refuse to see any level of positivity at all right now and i do think that is a bit of a shame but like mm. i said i you know somebody <laughs> some, like uh, somebody who 
listens to the same records as me it gives you a starting point of a conversation but that to me is all it gives you yeah i mean it's not it's it's um and, and we're not trying to pick on jose specifically but no, like, no, no. he the whole furor around what he tweet even if it's i don't know it's even fair to call it a furor a few angry tweets about it um quite well summarizes what this whole debate is about in relation to john schaefer because you know for me, it would be um, disingenuous of me to sit here and preach about whether people should listen to Ice Earth again or not, because I don't really listen to Ice Earth that much anyway. Like, I used to listen to them quite a bit back in the day, um, but I just really don't listen to them a whole lot now. And so I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, I'm not going to ever listen to Ice Earth again because they've let me down because I don't listen to them that much in the first place. Um I if it if he was an artist that I really admired, I mean it's on a totally different um uh bent. You know, we we've obviously done this big feature on Marilyn Manson last year, and that's something that I've had to I found quite difficult and I've and I have had to reckon with and kind of process as someone who holds Manson up as one of his very favorite artists. So, you know, most people go through this kind of thing at some point now these days with the amount of bands that are getting held to account and becoming problematic and everything else so i don't really judge anyone that chooses whether they want to listen to ice no, I, again or not but i just think in terms of this whole like hey man we'll have a different opinions we're all metalheads we can still get on vibe you know we're not talking about specific tax brackets or something here like we're talking about like actual aggressive criminal activity which was part of a situation where people have died so if there is a line to be drawn in terms of this this idea of just seeing past our differences guys like i think this is firmly drawn one but um it's just uh, i don't know the whole thing's just mental the whole thing's just mental and i think it is probably a lesson that as much as we all love metal we're all here because of metal metal has literally helped to give steve and i careers like it's not even a, i mean that is literally my job so i love this genre i love what it is but um it's probably not enough to say as steve said just being into metal means that we can just kind of gloss over a lot of this stuff because again we're not even talking about like i don't know pantera or something where you've got one extremely problematic uh, member in Phil that really kind of tarnishes the legacy of that band you're talking about the lead creating force of a very significant male band who's actually gone out and done this I mean it's it's crazy one of these things is is worth a kind of I think complex conversations and debates and everything else and the other is just like well there's no real I don't think there's any place for him for John Schaefer in in the metal scene. I mean, well, I suppose there could be. I suppose there could be. Well, I, don't know. I mean, the thing is, again, I'm like you, man. I've never listened to Ice Earth. I'm not interested in them. I'm not saying that in a kind of smug, put it on Twitter, like, look how good a person I am because I never listened to this band that I, you know, I didn't know anything about them. But, oh, I'm so glad I never listened to Like, yeah. I see that shit all the time. And it's like, you're not a fucking hero, like, for, for just not liking a band. Do you know what I mean? And for what it's worth, I think people that police other people's listening habits are absolute sanctimonious dickheads 
and no one's going to tell me like sorry guys no one's going to tell me who i can and can't listen to because you don't like one of the people in the band fuck you if i want to listen to lost profits i don't by the way but if i did want to listen to lost profits that's nobody else's business but mine frankly and i i don't think anyone should tell anyone what they can and can't listen to because ultimately if you do do that you are i'm going to find something that you listen to that then makes you a bad person i'm sure you listen to led zeppelin or <laughs> motley crew or do you know we can go back and back and back we can find yeah. things all over the place everybody listens to somebody who is some kind of cancelable person so just shut up listen to what you want to listen to uh, and that's 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 the be all and end all of it. And I don't think anyone should be telling people what they can and can't listen to. If somebody wants to continue to listen to Iced Earth in the privacy of their own home because they like the music, even if they are, you know, a green party card carrying person, they're just like, Do you know what? I just like the sound because music is two different things, isn't it? To what you, there's there's music hits your kind of gut and your heart. And you don't, your morals don't really, your brain controls the way you feel about stuff, the, th the things you think about stuff. You can massively in your mind disagree with Phil Anselmo, but when the riff from this love comes in, your, your gut will feel a certain way. And if your brain is telling you that you dislike that person that much, that it stops making your gut feel like that, then just don't listen to them anymore. And you've made that decision through your own moral compass if you don't get that, you don't get that. And that's, that's just the way it is, I think. And I don't like, I don't like people being like, you mustn't do this or you mustn't listen to that. It's no one else's business to tell people that they, who they can and can't listen to, frankly. No, I think, I think that's probably fair. And I guess where it comes to, where it kind of comes to us in the media is I think, you know, we obviously have a responsibility to hold people to account. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at someone like Phil Anselmo, like, Again, Pantera aren't really a band I listen to enough to kind of have to have that personal battle with myself either. Um, like, I wouldn't run a, an interview with Phil Anselmo in Metal Hammer again unless we were able to ask him directly about the shit he'd said. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, mate, I, mean I, I've, I think I've said this before. I, I love Pantera. And for me, Phil is probably the third most interesting thing in the band. Like, what has mm -hmm. died? You know, I've, I've met... Vinny, I've interviewed Rex. Vinny was one of the nicest people I've ever met. If you're saying there's a questionable 25% of that band, there's like a questionable quarter, and that quarter isn't even the main reason that I listen to the band. Like the the relationship between the Abbott brothers is the main reason why I love Pantera so much. And yeah, that would be my my kind of and and I so I feel like I'm able to square putting on the Great Southern Train Kill and going well, you know. He's an idiot, whatever. But they're the stuff. I don't want to like shit on them for yeah. I, I, what, frankly, a fairly irrelevant part of the music is not irrelevant, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of those kind of like Southern American bands who were kind of waving the Confederate flag and all that kind of stuff. There's like, there's a lot of kind of stuff in there that makes for quite an interesting debate and a conversation. But in terms of like clear cut problematic characters um yeah phil is the thing and, and, and we're on a bit of a tangent now but that's what makes the whole thing with pantera such a fucking shame because even before he came back out with this uh with this racist ranting um 
you know, Phil was a, a massive problem in that band already. You know, everyone knows famously what their last UK tour was like. Phil and Samo completely fucked up because he was I, wasted and he was all over the place. I was at that show and I, it made, I walked out going, cheers for making me waste my fucking money, Phil. And I, 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 I've held a sort of, and I, you know, I knew, uh, I grew up when Pantera were around and I remember hearing their stories and just being like, you know, the dude doesn't seem nice at all. Mm. But it was, back then was a, a time I guess where we didn't really and I was a kid as well I didn't really understand most of that stuff and it wasn't spoken about or talked about in the same way as it is now and he certainly hadn't outed himself in the same way as he outed himself a few years ago mm. but you know and yeah he was awful on that tour pathetic and I've just after that I was just like three great musicians and some drunk yeah, <laughs> you know, was what I walked out thinking, and I've sort of—I don't know—that's kind of always been that that idea has been in my head for twenty years now. So I don't know. Anyway, like you say, we're getting off topic a, a little bit here, but I do think, yeah. you know, the, the it's hard to to look at John Schaefer and go, "Your life can ever be normal." Like you've—the thing is, way like you've just defined what you're going to be remembered for forever in the same way as Tim Lambesis has in the same way as, you know, dare I even say it, the, the former singer of Lost Profits has as well. You've kind of, that is, that's kind of all people are going to remember for, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like and I think kind of rightly so. I understand that we don't tend to listen to music thinking, well, what is this band's politics or this band's opinions when we, when we steam straight in. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, fuck me, man. This, this isn't like an opinion you just happen to have. This isn't even kind of... I mean, we, there's opinionated metalheads out there, metal bands out there. This isn't even Dave Mustaine mouthing out do stuff that kind of makes you go, you fucking what? This is like an aggressive criminal act. Yeah. Um, and then, don't get me wrong, we're not sitting here saying every every single thing that's been under a, the category of a criminal act is is the be all and end all. But this is this is kind of savagely beyond the pale. And um, it's just difficult. You know, I just kind of said... Uh, I wouldn't ever even consider running a Phil Anselmo interview unless we were able to ask him about this shit. I don't think I'd even want to give John Schaefer the time of day in the first place because it's just so, uh, what, like, what, what can you even ask? Why did you do that? And, you know, it's so fucking, he's not done this on stage at a gig or something. He's not done this as part of the thing. He's gone and done something completely fucking insane because that's the that's the person he is apparently, and it's just it's just a shame. Because I, I you know I know um, I know at least one or two writers at Metal Hammer who are genuinely bummed by this because it's like yeah okay, having to throw away a few records is not the worst thing that happens when someone commits a horrible act or says a horrible thing. But if that's something that means something to you and you decide that you can't quite square that with yourself, that is a, that is a difficult thing for people to go through. And I think kind of. Uh, in the same way, Steve is very kind of like, you know, and, and I certainly agree to an extent, kind of the thing of policing people's opinions and policing people's listening habits. I think as well, you've got to kind of let people have the space to process stuff. It's not necessarily easy for everyone to just go, well, I've never listened to this band again, and that's fine, and I don't care, and I'll hate them, and I've got no emotional attachment to them. Like, yeah, if you're a big Ice Earth fan and you feel really fucking bummed by this whole thing and you're bummed about the fact that you don't feel like you can do that before. Like, don't feel guilty because you feel 
I don't know if conflicted is quite the right word, but you feel just a bit bummed out by the whole thing. Like, that's okay. Not, it's very, if, when music means this much, it's difficult to just switch that off because someone's a cunt. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are going to be really bummed right now because one of their favourite bands has just kind of become compromised by this idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, me and you have sort of had this conversation in our personal lives previously about someone like, for example, Michael Jackson, who you just think Michael Jackson's music is now so interwoven into the tapestry of um, popular culture that the sort of the attempt to cancel Michael Jackson is is almost impossible because how do you erase? I mean, this is obviously not true of Vice Earth, but I think in terms of like people trying to get their head around about how they feel about actually listening to that person's art in the aftermath of something like this happening it's kind of impossible to imagine this society without Michael Jackson's music. So trying to just plot that out, it's like trying to take away, you know, like, Oh, we, we found out the guy who invented bricks is um, <laughs> a pedophile. So get rid of all your bricks. It's just like, well, you, you kind of can't like they're, they're It's there. And it's part of the fabric of our, you know, like everything is kind hey, have of, you just, have you just, have you just libeled the guy that invented bricks? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's long gone, the guy who invented bricks. Well, if he isn't, you've got some explaining to do. I'm sorry, mate. I should have used fences instead. <laughs> that guy's a wrong one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, it's very difficult to know how you actually, when you say, oh, you've got to separate it and now you've got to cancel that. Like, sometimes it's not that simple to just go, this thing that's been in my life for this long is just gone now. You know, yeah. you don't know how you just do that. Yeah, there's the personal thing. Very extreme example of that, but you know. No, it is. Yeah, there's a per- there's a personal thing. Um, I mean, I think when you get to Michael Jackson, and I actually would extend Pantera this to Pantera as well, because you know you can't. And for, you know, I start I start are a massively in, uh, kind of influential and in, and in seminal band in the in a kind of power metal and and heavy metal realm. You, like you can't really talk about. Uh, metal without some of these bands in like you can't talk about the evolution of metal without pantera it's not possible they're one of the probably three four five most influential metal bands of all time like you can't ignore them um but you also can't pretend like unfortunately there isn't this big asterisk hanging over their career now and uh i mean i don't know if there, there will be another metal band short of burzum or someone who has an asterisk now hanging over them as big as ice earth does so it is what it is i don't think it's something we probably want to kind of continuously give a lot of publicity to because it's just a really horrible thing that's happened and it's a shame and uh you know he's stitched himself up so there you go wally wally yeah that's a polite way of putting it um i mean in the kind of like 18th most surprising thing that's happened in metal so far this year. Oh God. Uh, Marco has left Nightwish. So Nightwish fans will be uh, pretty bummed by this, I reckon, because not only was he a big part of the band in general, he was of course their kind of secondary vocalist. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how they, uh, how they can fill that void now. Uh, Marco's statement was quite interesting as well, quite telling as well about where he's at in terms of, um, not just his kind of mental state, but also, I guess, just his view of the music industry in, in general. Uh, it's quite a big statement. You can read it and fill on the Metal Hammer website. Now, um, at one point it says, for quite a few years now, I haven't been able to feel validated by this life. 
We have streaming company Big Guns demanding nine to five work from artists of inspiration while unfairly sharing the profits, even among the artists. Uh, we're the banana republic of the music industry. Biggest tour promoters squeeze percentages, even from our own merchandise while paying dividends to the Middle East. Apparently, some theocracies can take the money from music that would get you beheaded or jailed there without appearing as hypocrites. Just a couple of examples here. This is, a, this is some loaded stuff he's getting out. I don't think we can even... I don't even know how to get into all that. I mean, that's a lot to digest, isn't it? Yeah, I've not read this. I mean, I'm not a Nightwish fan at all, so I haven't really paid that much attention to it, to be perfectly honest. But I have to say, what you've just read out there is uh, fairly incendiary, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, you know, you're talking about kind of corruption with the industry he's getting out here, I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, the thing where he says unfairly sharing the profits and then he adds well he adds even among the artists but the thing is i read that as like oh is he just taking a pop at the rest of nightwish but nightwish actually posted this statement so i don't know what i i mean it seems to be yeah i mean i thought when you started reading it i was like sort of skim read the first bit and i was like oh you know he's having a pop at spotify and the fact that i think if you were an artist especially an artist who grew up or formed and became popular in the 90s or the early 2000s when people were buying music and downloading and streaming was kind of in its infancy certainly streaming wasn't even really a thing was it back then but at which nightwish were if you get to the point where suddenly you're seeing the music that you make sell quote unquote sell more because you don't really know how much obviously you don't physically sell more but they they are bigger now and they've never been, aren't they? Nightwish across the mm. globe, I, was, I would imagine. Um, but you're seeing the, the the profits you make from getting bigger diminished to below what you were getting when you were sort of first starting out. I can imagine that some people might go, "Do you know what? I'm going to bin this off this this industry. It's ridiculous. It's rubbish." I can understand that. I mean, I'm sure he's probably done all right out of being in Nightwish. They're a pretty big band. I don't, I don't really know, but, but it's the, it's the sort of principle of it, isn't it really? I, and I'm, I'm not entirely surprised that a musician has come out and just gone, well, that's bad. As for the other stuff about merchandise and dividends to the Middle East. I, I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. That's gone from like, Oh, right. Okay. You're annoyed about streaming services and you're taking some kind of moral stance to just, Sounding a bit kooky. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, I mean, he's also alluded to, um, he's alluded to kind of depressive issues as well in this statement. So his, his mental health situation is obviously not, obviously not great. But this is really like, I don't quite want to go far saying it's out there, but it's just kind of, it's a, it's a bit, um, it's just, it's just, yeah, very unexpected anyway. So it leaves Nightwish in a curious position there. I mean, they're still kind of in the midst of what should be the human nature cycle. Obviously they weren't able to tour that album after releasing it last year. Um, they're due to, to go out on tour to support it soon. Uh, I imagine those dates, if they haven't already will be pushed back again. Um, although I, I don't know that that's just speculating on my part, but uh, yeah, definitely some big shoes to fill in the Nightwish uh, camp. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think they've announced that they're going to continue with a session uh, musician for now um and take it from there so maybe there'll be the door open for marco to come back to the fold at some point we will have to wait and see uh tommy back tommy vexed excuse me has parted ways with bad wolves don't really okay. care about that do you steve not really 
don't think so. Um, I think Doc Coyle's an absolute lad, so I'm hoping yeah. they can get somebody in that will take that band onto excellent new things. Um, and uh, in the um, 2021 headline generator stakes, uh, Elton John is playing piano on Miley Cyrus's Metallica's cover album. Come on. Brilliant. <laughs> we like Elton John, don't we? I adore Elton John. I'm sitting in front of my um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and self-titled vinyls right now, in fact. I was, I was going to get my Yellow Brick Road vinyl out to show you because I've got an old, I've got an old, don't know if it's original pressing, but it's a fairly early pressing of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Fucking great. Yeah, man, I love Elton John. I've still got tickets for Elton John, which should be happening this December at the O2, which is supposed to have happened the December, like last month. So, um, hope he's all right. And yeah, well, and Miley's album being nice to Metallica. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, obviously, uh, covers album, it's not going to be, I would imagine it's not going to be an all time amazing experiment, but I think it's cool as fuck. I love Metallica. I think Miley Cyrus is wicked. I haven't really liked a lot of her stuff, but I think that last album was really, really good. Um, I mean, if, I, if anyone, listening likes kind of just really well made slightly rocky kind of synthy 80s style pop music like if that's your vibe go listen to that last Miley album it's really good by the way that is um, my vibe and I've not listened to it it's good mate it's really good um I can't remember what the hold on let me just jump on my streaming service of choice and, <laughs> I think <no. laughs> check which one um yeah. Marco from Nightwish is going to come after you, mate. He's going to beat you up. No. no. Uh, yeah, Midnight Skies, I think. I'll listen to that. It's really good. Okay. That's what you all came to this podcast for, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Miley Cyrus recommendations. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Why not? But yeah, and absolutely, Elton John's one of my favourite, probably, artists ever. He's definitely up there for me. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I can't, I'm looking forward to hearing it. So there you go. Uh, album of the week is probably going to be short and sweet this week because it's actually an EP of the week. Uh, it is from the awesome collaboration between Emma, Ruth, Rundle and Thou, uh, Louisiana Sludge Merchants, and uh, one of the most interesting kind of singer-songwriters um, that the metal scene has embraced in recent years. I try not to use the death gospel thing because I think that's, that might be a bit played out already. But you know what I'm talking about. Um Last year's album, May Our Chambers Be Full, made it into the Metal Hammer Top 50 of the year. Critically acclaimed. Really good stuff. Big kind of sludgy, doomy, uh, melancholy riffs, mixing it up with Emma's really uh, sorrowful, uh, mournful vocals and atmospherics. Really interesting album. Uh, and now they've decided to release a little uh, companion EP called May Our Chambers Be Full, which is out on Friday. Um, from what I understand, these are songs from the same sessions. Um, and having listened to them, I mean, I suppose a lot of the time artists just can't work out where to fit stuff when they've got a certain uh, piece of work already in place. But given that the album was only 36 minutes long and this is only four tracks, I don't understand why these weren't on the album. <laughs> I think actually... I, I, they might have been from the same sessions, but I think they came in the aftermath of the record being put together. Actually, I don't think because right, okay. usually you do go, oh, they've put an extra EP out, so it's just yeah. basically the crap that they didn't put on the album that they're like 
flogging to you afterwards. Uh, on the case of this, I don't think it is that. I think they were done, they were kind of done after, even though it might have been around the same period, I think they were done after the album was formulated, if you like. I think they probably thought this is what the album is and then did something else and this is what the EP is. And that actually makes a lot of sense to me when you listen to it because May Our Chambers Be Full was massively critically acclaimed. And I have to say, when I heard it, I would call myself a fan of Emma Ruth Rundle and less so a fan of Thou, to be honest. Thou do so much stuff, it's very difficult to keep up with all the stuff that they do. But, um, but I, you know, I, I think they're perfectly fine. But I, re- I really love Emma Ruth Rundle. And I think it's odd that I feel so strongly about this EP, which probably leans more towards the strengths of the Thou than the more even collaboration of the record. I remember hearing the record and thinking, this is really, really good. And to be perfectly honest, I sort of forgot about it after that. I haven't really gone back to it. Um, I did like it and I do like it. And I do think it's good, but I haven't really returned to it that much. So I kind of wondered how much I'd be invested in this. And I think it's fucking brilliant. This, I think it's actually, I prefer it to the, to the record, to be honest. Um, I, uh, this is hard because uh, I, I do really like the album. Um, it didn't make it into my top 20 or anything like that, but I thought it was good. Uh, it didn't resonate with me quite as much. And I have to be honest, I've only actually listed this EP all the way through once and a, once and a half. <laughs> but um, it definitely made a more, whereas the album, which is weird, because as I said, the album's only 36 minutes long, but it feels longer. It kind of feels, I mean, it definitely feels more involved and kind of, uh, like a kind of journey and it, it kind of like unfolds as it goes along and you kind of pick out various little riffs here and moments there that really stand out. Whereas this one just seems to land with more immediacy. And I'm trying to hold off saying I like it more because I don't think I've given it enough time, but it's definitely left a bigger impression on me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think what's cool about it is, I mean, the first track, Orphan Limbs, sort of feels... I mean, I, I think the the album basically sounded like you got Thou, you got Emma Ruth Rundle. What would that sound like in your head? Ah, yes, that's what that sounds like in my head. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the first track on here, Orphan Limbs, is really kind of baroque, gothic, woodwindy. St- like there's almost, even though I don't think they are using it, there's almost like a kind of the feeling of like a, sort of woodwind instruments like, the, the, like big orchestral woodwind instruments and her voice sounds really kind of quite dark well it sounds dark anyway but it sounds very deep and that's not normally necessarily what i would think of when i think of emma ruth rundle and the majority of the song the opening song is a big build really just with her but then when it goes heavy and it does go really kind of scabrously white hot scathingly heavy it's so great i think all of this is good but certainly it's top and tailed by two fucking incredible songs the opening song is amazing um i then think you've got two other ones like chrome dance sort of the second track sort of follows on where the the end of orphan limbs the first track left off and it is a heavy heavy one recurrence is wicked it's got this it's got this kind of stonery grunge riff that just kind of like really sandy sounding crusty sort of 
riff that comes in at the end and, and when this like they they then they do these big they big kind of breakdown cymbal crashes it's amazing those two are just like ragers and emma ruth rundle sort of sits quite back in the mix on those two but really the sort of for me the high point is their cover of hollywoods by the cranberries which is the best song i've heard this year i know it's only oh. january but fuck me it's amazing it's so funny because um i was talking to Steve before the podcast started and I was kind of saying like, oh, that, that last track with like those kind of really like driving like dan, 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 dan guitars on like, that's like, it's such a kind of more immediate and impactful finish than the the track that was on the album, which is like kind of quite long and expansive and, and does what it does, which is fine. But it's such an immediate kind of banger of a tune. And, and I actually kind of said to Steve, like, God, that track's so good. Like, I don't know what that's about. And then you, when you said it was a Cranberries cover, I was like, ah, oh, that explains that guitar mm. line quite a lot because it doesn't sound like anything else that they've done together. Yeah. Um, I agree. It's absolutely fucking awesome, that cover. And it's probably, yeah, probably my favourite thing across the two the two uh, things they created together. Yeah, me uh, too, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just really, really good. And I think... It's weird because when I kind of saw it, they were doing a companion EP. We thought, oh, we'll review it. I kind of thought I'd end up saying, well, if you like May Our Trains Be Full, definitely check this out because it's more of the same and it's really good. But I kind of think if you did like that, still absolutely check this out. But if you maybe weren't quite so enamored with the album as other people, definitely go and check this EP out because um, there's not more going on there, but there's just something a bit different going on there. And it and mm-hmm. it feels like its own thing, which is really cool. And yeah. it speaks of the the talents of the two creative forces involved. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, particularly that the, the last song I think is is outrageously brilliant. It's so, so, so good. Like that is uh that is a great cover. I love it when people take I mean the fact that you didn't even consider that it might be a cover, particularly of a band like the Cranberries, and it's but it's so heavy and they've taken, you know, a kind of wistful alternative indie band from the 90s and they've turned it into this absolute monster of a song is is well cool yeah definitely and yeah it, it maybe it does speak volumes of uh me that i didn't realize it was a cover volumes of my ignorance but no, i was gonna say how much they've they've changed it i think is it's cool yeah no it's awesome it's yeah it's, it's it's really really good so definitely uh check that out it's called the helm of sorrow ep it's out on friday it is very good. I've got a feeling that it might have already been included with some physical deluxe uh, editions of the album as well. So some some of you might have already heard it, but if not, if it's completely bypassed you, uh, definitely go and check it out. Uh, we're going to do some reader questions now. Facebook.com slash Melhammer Readers for the best community in rock media today um ben wilmer asks throughout the pandemic have you found your music habits changing have you started wanting to listen to deliberately happy music as a relief to how shit the world is or have you gone the other way and gone i'm angry i want the heaviest shit i can find um i i don't know i mean i didn't really listen to to be perfectly honest i don't think i listened to lots and lots of heavy music last year in general really um I'm quite a seasonal listener of music, really. I tend to pull out the like ska punk bands in July and August because it's sunny and then put on Cradle of Filth when it gets to November. I always used to do that, listen to the heavier stuff 
in the darker months and then put on lighter, nicer stuff um, during during the summer. But I'm not sure if I do that anymore. I think, uh, I don't know, really. Um, I definitely haven't really felt my listening habits change that much due to the pandemic, particularly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I listened to a lot of 80s pop last year, so I don't know what that, <laughs> well, that says about how I felt about the pandemic or my life or whatever, but I did listen to a lot of 80s pop and Blur and mm. Depeche and stuff like that. I definitely have found myself, um, I mean, in terms of like seasonal stuff, I definitely listen to more reggae in summer, which is very, like a very kind of like, white boy from england thing to say but um i do uh, you know i love reggae music and i've not uh i can't even remember the last time i put on some so i think it definitely is one of those things so it's like oh yeah the sun's out i'll put on some black uhuru um but apart from that i don't think i've uh i change up stuff that much i definitely feel like my habits outside of work are getting a little more insular nowadays like i'm just kind of sticking with what i've got a lot of the time um, I mean, at, I think at least three years running, my number one most listened to artist on streaming has been Dead Mouse, and that's probably because I find music to be simplistic but beautifully crafted, uplifting uh, EDM, and sometimes that's just exactly what I need, and it's what I need a lot of the time. I mean, also I find it quite good music to work to, um, but I think, I mean, obviously, you know, I spend uh eight hours a day firmly in metal world and then so sometimes when i come out of metal worlds i'm like i want to listen to some hip-hop or some dance music or whatever so um yeah i don't know really i don't know if my i mean to be honest i say that but actually i think about last year and one of the big positives for me last year was all the brilliant new music i was listening to so uh, on the other side of that i was like fuck yeah i mean i think about the trivium album a lot because it was so nice just to have a big bombastic I mean, not bombastic's not really the right word, but just a big fuck off good heavy metal album to just put on when I was in a bit of a bad mood. So, I mean, actually saying that at the start of this year, I've basically, when I've had some spare time, I don't know if it's just because this is the the time, but all I've put on so far this year has been, when I've had time to myself, has been like every time I die and poison the well and employed to serve and stuff like that. Um, so I have been most of most of this year so far, with the exception of that Taylor Swift album. Um, I think I've pretty much just listened to metal and nothing else this year so far. Nice. Uh, yeah, I can't even think. Yeah, I've been I've been fairly similar this year, I reckon. Um, I can't even think of anything outside of metal that I'm awaiting. Most of the albums I'm excited about this year are definitely metal so far, which is obviously good because that's what I do. But uh, oh, it's a bicep album. There you go. I knew I'd find a way to run my rep. The bicep album's out soon. I want to listen to that. That's good. But yeah, apart from that, long live Heavy Metal as the much beloved Three Inches of Blood album told us. <laughs> that is a good album, actually. Fucking great album. If you want yeah. brilliant old school heavy metal done like it done, done like it sounds like it belongs right now, that album is fucking great. Ooh. Uh, Hayden Brown says, hypothetically, you only have one gig left to go to. Oh, what a horrible thought. Uh, what band would it be and what venue would it be in? Can we pick a support bill as well? Yeah, go on then. I would have 
Backwash and Clipping opening for Code Orange. <laughs> Which would be good, right? Yeah. Uh, probably, I mean, I'd go and see that wherever, to be honest, but probably... Um, can I say the Astoria? I can't really say the Astoria because it's been bashed down, isn't it, with fucking old bastards. But, yeah, I mean, if you can say the Astoria, then I'm going to say Freddie Mercury, Grunting Queen. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Uh, what's the best venue around at the minute? I don't really know if they're. Like, oh, the Electric in Brixton's quite good. You get a good view of the stage from wherever you are. Got a good balcony for people with bad backs like me. Lots of leaning places. So, yeah, that'd be the one. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd, I'd, back. I'd go watch that. Um, I would. Oh God, I'm gonna stick with metal. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with metal. Um, so my metal choice. I think my honest answer might be different, but my metal choice is gonna be if I can only see one metal band again. It's hard to look beyond Maiden because they're my favourite bands, but um. Uh, I'm overthinking this because I'm thinking yeah. I'd have I'm, I'm thinking I've had I'd have Maiden supported by Killswitch, which I know is a tour that has happened. But then you just get a load of grumpy Maiden fans not really enjoying Killswitch. So how would I... <laughs> well, it might just be you. If it's social distancing, and you can pick the venue, pick a pub, and then only ten people are allowed in there due to social distancing measures. You can pick the nine other people that are allowed in as well, presumably in this mystical. No. Pop, like, no, that's not how we want to think of our final gig. I would go for, oh, I'm going to pick two, sorry, either either Maiden on the Legacy of the Beast tour again, um, but maybe in like the smallest arena you could fit that into. I don't even know what that would be. Uh, uh, or um, Kill Switch. Yeah, Ooh, I don't want that. No, I was thinking, because you I'd, like, could you fit it into, oh, I don't know. Royal Abbott Hall? Oh, but I mean, it's too big for that, but that'd be amazing. Or, fuck it, I'll do Kill Switch Engage at the Roundhouse. That would be good. Um, a big old sing-along, just kind of like, that's what it would be all about. Yeah. Do you want to do the next question, Stephen? Oh, you should have warned me, but fine, enough to open my phone up. Sorry, guys. Uh, Ross McLeod says, with me now having to retire my Iced Earth T-shirts... When uh, when has non-musical reasons impacted your enjoyment of a band stroke artist? Um, oh. Radiohead. Finding out Radiohead support Oxford United. Fuck Oxford United. <laughs> uh, I find it quite hard to listen to Radiohead. No, I don't. I still do listen to Radiohead. But I actually forgot. I knew this question was in here, but I forgot because um, we've obviously we've already covered quite a lot of this. Mm. Uh, but it is a good question. I mean. I, I don't really, I mean, I don't listen. I can't say that I listen to Lost Profits because it's just impossible to look past them. I know um, Ross did say, let's not discuss Lost Profits too heavy. We don't discuss what happens, obviously, but um, that, that, that's certainly a band I'll still sometimes stick on songs by that I don't anymore. Um, I mean, I don't really, like, I can't remember the last time I did actually sit and listen to Michael Jackson, to be honest, like, it's probably a bit different thing if I was out somewhere and it came on. That's a slightly mm. different thing, I think, I feel like. But I don't really sit at home and listen to Michael Jackson very much now um, since that last documentary came out. Because uh, it just feels like you kind of can't really look past it. 
well, not that you can't look past it. It's just to go out, like I kind of if I think oh I want I, I never think of oh I want to listen to Michael Jackson and I it, I don't know how far I can get into that process before I think about everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the Marilyn Manson thing, like you know we have not put anything out there that is actually directly accusing Manson of anything in relation to that um, feature we ran, but having been very heavily involved in it all and the commissioning process and everything else, like I just need a bit more space from that whole situation, I think. Mm. Um, I, I, in, in all honesty, I mean, I, I used to quite like Lost Profits, just briefly. I don't discuss Lost Profits, but yeah, I, I did listen to them after that and I was like, oh, that's probably the only time, though. That's probably literally the only time. I mean, that's not to say that I wouldn't listen to Lost Profits. I just have never thought to. And I guess that's the thing, isn't it? You just kind of stop thinking. Like you said, the urge to put on Michael Jackson has just never kind of come to you since then. And I think that's that's your subconscious making the decision for you. And I think that's probably better than going, no, I don't like this the sound of this band anymore because this your subconscious will let you more will, will tell you how you feel about it i don't know so for me like kind of no one really i mean i don't really want to say anyone because i sort of feel like if i say one then i you you start questioning all the others like i mean i mentioned led zeppelin and motley crew or people said david bowie the beatles you know they all have people in them that have done the odd or james brown like i love james brown but morally questionable character I think once you get into one, you have to start basically throwing away everything and that makes you a big old hypocrite, which I don't want to be. Mm. Yeah, it's a toughie. I think uh, I'm very much of the, you know, I, I do respect people's choices to listen to what they want to listen to. I suppose if you get into the thing of like, you know, again, I'm not passing judgment, but if you kind of go and buy an Iced Earth t-shirt now, <laughs> I guess you're kind of who knows what you might be funding. Do you know what I mean? But... Here's the thing, right? I'm not going to say who the band were, but I did an interview with a with the frontman of a very prominent metal band a few years ago, right? I believe it as vague as that. And we were going to discuss um, his five favorite Pantera songs. And then when we got there, he said to me, actually, I'm not going to do this because in my I love Pantera and they're my favourite band, but I don't want to be seen to be saying this is all right. You should go and listen to Pantera. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And I thought that was a pretty, you know, it was kind of an admittance that I grew up with this music and I love it and I do love it and I can't stop myself from loving it. But I will not condone. I will not go out of my way to promote or condone the band. And I thought that was a fairly rational and sort of um, mature way of looking at it, personally. Yeah, that's very, very reasonable. Mm. Um, fair fucking play to whoever that was. I'm going to ask you who that was, off there. Okay. Uh, Mahik says, what are the best songs that are both a perfect set opener and a set closer? Oh, that's a good question. Because at first I was like, well, all set openers are good set closers as well, aren't they? And then I thought, nah, Maiden finishing with Ace is High weird i think the only one that i can think of that that has worked both as a massive set opener and a massive set closer is enter sandman i thought sandman yeah yeah because metallica used to open like when the black album first came out they did open with enter sandman which seems mad now 
seems mad to think they would open with Enter Sandman. I just don't. I know. would love it if they did that again. Wouldn't it be great if they just came out and went like, what if they just came out and they did fucking Enter Sandman, Master of Puppets, and Seek and Destroy first three songs, and then you'd be like, oh shit, because then you just have no idea what's going to happen for the rest of the set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be fucking great. I mean, this is one of those, you know, two people who have seen Metallica x amount of times speaking here where we're always like oh, i wish metallica would play that song that no one else wants to hear apart from us man <laughs> fifty thousand times totally ignoring the fact that some 15 year old might be seeing him for the first time and has just yeah. put the black album and is dying to hear enter sandman but fuck that guy um so yeah yeah it would it would it'd be wicked i mean those those <laughs> play the astronomy cover you can't <laughs> <laughs> That would be me. I'm not even joking. Yeah. Love a man. <laughs> I want one. Love a man by Nick Cave. <laughs> Invisible kid. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Enna Sandman is probably the bullseye answer, isn't it? Yeah. That, no, that's a good one. Oh, I mean, weird, but, you know, I know that uh, one that just came to mind is. Uh, Muse, weirdly, because the last time I was really invested in Muse is when they did Black Holes and Revelations. Um, and Nights of Cydonia remains one of my very favorite Muse songs. And I remember saying to my mate when that album came out, and we were seeing them at Reading for the first time on that cycle. And I remember saying to my mate Jack, like, I bet they start with Nights of Cydonia, I bet they start with it. And he was like, Nah, they won't, nah, they won't, they, they won't just start with that song, no way. And they started with it, and it's one of the best openings to a set I've ever seen. It was fucking amazing. And then I remember. Within a, a couple of years of that, uh, I saw them again and they didn't start with it. Um, and I just, I, I can't remember what they started with, but I remember thinking like, they will never get a better start in some of the nights of Sidonia. Why can they like to, to start the gig with that big like intro and then like go into the fucking heavy metal riff at the end. And then they actually finished with it. I think it was a Glastonbury. They actually finished with it instead. And they did this really cool kind of like Western harmonica kind of riff off for about a minute or two. And I was like, what the fuck's this going into? And then it led into Sidonia. And it meant the final thing of the whole set was that kind of big heavy metal riff at the end with everyone jumping. And it was actually fucking great as well. So that's a bit of an outside uh, shout. For some reason, it came to mind for me. Any Muse opener, I would also like to be the closer. So I only have to watch one. Um, (laughs) As soon as I started talking about Muse, you got a look on your face. And I was like, he's... he's He's going to say something that's going to be really snidey at the end of it. No, 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 I'm, I'm just, I just don't really care for Muse Merlin, that's all. Um, that's fine. Uh, here's another one that I just thought of while you bang on about Muse. Um, my Last Serenade would be good, right? I mean, I don't know if they've ever opened with it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I've seen them open with Last Serenade because yeah. I've, I've, I've definitely seen them come on when they're, uh, background things yeah. playing. And they don't really usually end with it either, but that would be a great song to end with. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I've seen them. I think I might have even seen them start with the end of Heartache, you know? Yeah, I have. Yeah? Definitely. Yeah, I cannot remember where, but they they have definitely started with the end of Heartache. That doesn't work quite as well, I don't think. No, because it's a bit more of a sweeping thing, whereas the fucking... Uh... 
Yeah, I lost yeah, that. that. Oh. And then, dun, 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 you know, that fucking. Yeah. So hard, that song. For like such a big single and kind of one of the most recognizable sing along songs, that song goes so fucking hard in the verse. Dun, 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 so good. Uh, oh, I uh, love it. Yeah. Um, uh, I've got my gut, one of my, I've got my washing hung up and I've got one of my ghost t shirts staring at me. Rats is quite a good one as well, I think. Or Square Hammer. Square Hammer, definitely. Mm, yeah, yeah um, Tobias actually wrote that because he knew that the band needed a big song to start with um, and that's literally why he wrote that song uh, and uh, they started with it on that tour and it was amazing but they actually I think they ended with it or maybe they started with the encore in it but anyway that definitely works for both definitely yeah. that'll do that'll do we just we just riffed that one out basically didn't we it was good yeah good yeah um maybe what we should do at the end of this podcast is that i'll do the exact same intro that i did again and people can decide if it works for both yeah yeah <laughs> wasn't as funny as i thought it was no. uh, <laughs> the next question then smarty clogs uh scott simple sit sorry sorry let me do that again scott sit pull is that right I hope it's right, Scott. I hope it is. I'm sorry if it isn't. What are you most looking forward to in 2021? For myself, I'm looking forward to be able to go for a tea somewhere. Oh, yeah. I, I think hopefully it means a cream tea, a Devon tea, scones and uh, fine china, Earl Grey, clotted cream, fresh strawberry jam in a nice little tea house. They've got Radio 2 on, Zoe Ball in the morning, having a cup of tea with your aunt. That sounds nice. That got specific. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Looking forward to be going for a tea. I mean, all the obvious stuff, going to a gig, um, getting on a plane again for the first time. Uh, I watched, um, uh, there's a there's a documentary on the Rolling, Rolling Stones on Netflix about them touring South America, and it all kind of builds up to the first time they've ever played Cuba. It's pretty, it is good, actually. If you're a Stones fan or not, I do recommend watching it. But it made me so nostalgic for gigs and festivals and so nostalgic for just being able to being fortunate enough to go to another country i mean what a fucking gift that is that we just many people i, I took for granted and i'm sure many other people did as well and god the idea of sitting in a sunny country with mm. a beer on a nice warm evening do you know what i mean oh my god that this is, is sound pathetic what i'm about to say after you just said that but the reopening and you you like you're going to be like I need fucking that the reopening of gyms going, going for a sauna and a steam ah oh, doing a bit of like oh pumping the guns bloody I, I genuinely it's going to make me sound like a massive wanker which is might be fairly accurate to be fair but I I really miss I I don't like feeling sort of unfit and pudgy and I feel unfit and pudgy at the moment so. I'm I'm genuinely looking forward to going to the gym and whacking on hate breed and picking up something really heavy and then putting it back down again. We yeah. looked like a bit of that, didn't we? Me and you, Mel. We did back in back in the day. Now it must yeah. be <laughs> over a year since we've been to a gym together. Fucking hell! I know. Steve, can, Steve was actually showing me some of his weights, and I mean they just make mine look like fucking toothpicks. So put me on my back at the moment, mate. So I can't do anything. We just look at them. I'm not going to lose weight looking at them, am I? So you know. Stare at them hard enough, you'll get really muscly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a horrible thought. You look like Arnie in Total Recall. 
<laughs> this sword. <laughs> Give these people air. Uh, Alistair, Belling. Alistair Belling asks, what are some records that got critically panned or were polarizing that you really loved? I reckon Diabolica, Diabolus in Musica by Slayer or whatever it's called. Yeah. Talking about that kind of as close to Slayer ever got to making a new metal album, basically. And Stain of Mind on that record is actually pretty good. Like, it doesn't sound like Slayer, but it's actually pretty good. I can't go much further. I can't, can't hold your hand um, with that record much further than that, I'm afraid, Asda. But I I will admit that, yeah, uh, it's got a good song on it. Mm. Um, I mean, the obvious one, the really, really, really obvious one, which I think probably both of us would say would be Load. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, but that, yeah, that's divisive, isn't it? Yeah, it's not critical. Yeah. Pan, but yeah, that's divisive. Well, I, mean, it got, I mean, it got uh, some pretty bad reviews at the time, I believe, and it was massively divisive for sure. Certainly in the aftermath, a few years after. I mean, I don't really know what the problem is with Load. I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound like Kill 'Em All, but those songs are still fucking great, right? Surely. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what the problem is. I think it's easy, like it. <sighs> It's easy to kind of just enter into snidiness when it comes to Metallica, whether you're being snidey towards Metallica because they dared to have be more ambitious. With the best respect to all the other brilliant thrash metal bands out there, Metallica dared to be more ambitious than just being a thrash metal band. But you can always then you can also then be really snidey towards <clears throat> you know people who really do love the thrash movement and they love music in its kind of underground form. And you know Metallica did kind of shave all their hair off and like. They were poncing about in, um, you know, uh, these kind of leopard skin shirts, which don't get me wrong, I thought cool. As, I think they look cool as fuck, but it was kind of, it was a very like, yeah, we're not metal anymore. Lars was famously on magazine covers going, don't call us metal. So, you know, I get like, you know, both sides can be a bit snidey towards each other in that whole debate. But I think, as I know Steve does, Load is a fucking excellent album and it is at the very least, a far more interesting album than anything Metallica had done before that, in my opinion. I mean, if someone if someone doesn't like it that much, that's fair. But if you can listen to a song like Bleeding Me or The Outlaw Torn and not think that is an astonishing song, an amazingly put together piece of work, lyrically, emotionally, musically, for the band that wrote Blackened, then I don't know, I don't know how someone can appreciate that for what it is, do you know what I mean? At the yeah. very yeah, and, and I, I mean, the kind of the narrative that Metallica were the only one of those bands to do that. Like, go and listen to fucking Risk by, Metall- by Megadeth. We've just said Diablos and Musica by Slayer, which, I mean, I think Load is a far, far, far superior album to Diablos and Musica, personally. Diablos and Musica is probably heavier and more metal, particularly for the time, but it's not really a good record. You know, listen to fucking Force of Habit by Exodus. I mean, again, people like don't even consider that. Go and listen to the, the title track of that or their cover of Bitch by the Rolling Stones. There's a cover of Pump It Up by Elvis Costello on that record. Like you're telling me they're, 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 you know, they're a thrash metal band at this point. They all of those bands made one of those records, and the only one that ever gets spoken about is Load. And the reason that it's the only one that gets spoken about is because it's the only one that's actually any good. Yeah, I'm like the the one that you slag off. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a great record. My, um, I mean, that felt like uh, the sort of obvious one, I would say. But 
I want to shout out uh, also Same Difference by Entombed, which I think is fucking brilliant. Might be close to being my favourite Entombed album. And it's not anything like what they're known for. Um, You know, those early Entombed albums are amazing. And they basically spawn their own little subgenre of metal by making kind of crusty black and death and roll stuff. But by the time they sort of bin that off and you know and uh nick uh nick anderson their drummer who was their mate sort of primary songwriter left to do his main band helicopters the album they put out after that was this sort of post-rock like kind of post-punk unsane style rumbly like like kind of slim sonic youth-esque art rock record and it doesn't sound like it should suit Entombed at all. And Elge Petrov, their singer, it, he, he, it's, he sounds mad on it because he's still doing kind of death metal vocals over this sort of weird, angular, artsy, indie punk thing. Mm. Um, but it's a wicked record. I think it's a brilliant record. And I think like people fucking hated it and they just went back to doing... But I think the proof, you know, they went back to doing variations on a theme after that. And I don't think they've ever done anything artistically as interesting since. That's so, true. That's fair. I don't think I've even actually listened to that album in full, so maybe I need to go and check that out. Um, a more kind of basic and mainstream choice for me, uh, Chinese Democracy. I've talked about it many, many times. I've written op-eds on it. I think it's a fucking, not even just a good album, I think it's a fucking great album. And I am telling you right now, this is the hill I will die on. If that album had never existed, um, and uh, admittedly some of the kind of Nine Inch Nailsy stuff on there that it, Axel had clearly written in like the 90s so I kind of didn't age well but if that album never existed and the reunited members of Guns N' Roses as we now know them put out that album this year everyone would be saying it was a fucking killer record everyone and I felt very vindicated when on the because um, uh, I'm a banging okay okay uh, Chinese Democracy a great review when it came out for the website I was writing before and then I looked around and everyone was panning it and I was quite you know I was a young writer and I was like oh no I'm really <laughs> um, but uh, I felt quite vindicated when on the reunion tour they were playing Chinese Democracy songs because Slash playing better was fucking awesome and it just looked right and it sounded right and I love that album um, I still listen to it very very regularly yeah it- it's not bad. I think there's some something came on the radio. I think better came on the radio um, just before Christmas, and I was like, "Fucking hell, this sounds really good on the radio." And I was like, oh, "It's weird that they play something from mm. they're playing Guns N' Roses on the radio, but it did sound really good." I think the first song, which is the title track, is it not? Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant as well. They played that live um, on that tour as well. That was really, really good. Good. I can't really, I can't really get behind you in terms of the entirety of it being a great album. I think it's way far too long. I'm yeah, good. I wouldn't go as far as saying the entire album's great. Yeah, but, uh, as an album overall, I do think it's it's a great album. If that makes sense, not every single track on there is great, but I would still give it like a really solid eight out of ten. Like, <sighs> there's just too much filler on it for me to be there's there's too there's just too much i mean it's i think it's way too long you would expect, yeah. you would expect excess from a guns and roses album that you've been waiting fucking god knows how many years Fair. for but Fair. i'm just looking at the um i'm looking at the track list now though but like yeah the, the title track's great 
Bet is great. City teams is good. If the world, you, th- you kind of think that if the world is, it's a bit of a weirdly paced album because you kind of think if the world is going to be like maybe the big ballad on that album, and then that's followed by There Was a Time, which is a fucking magnificent song in my humble opinion. I think it's absolutely that's astonishingly good song. That was what yeah. was. Yeah, this is a time. It wasn't better. It was this is a time. Yeah, yeah, so there was a time. In um, and uh, yeah, Sorry's really good. That kind of drawly Western kind of thing. Catcher in the Rye's good. Um, yeah, anyway, I like it. So there. Right. Uh, I'd also say Bloodstone and Diamonds by Machine Head. Just not really panned, but just sort of ignored. Yeah, I was going to say, that's I get that. I'm a, a big old 8 out of 10 or maybe even a 9 out of 10. No, an 8, I think, when it came out. Great album. I, I think that album's really good. And it's uh, such a shame because... Obviously, the blackening. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" And then they followed it up with "Under the Locust," which is, you know, "Under the Locust" is good. You know, Under it's, Lo- not, it's not as bad as everyone thinks it is. If "Under the Locust" is like your worst album, then definitely not Guinness' worst album. If that's your worst album, I mean, there's some really great songs on "Under the Locust." Definitely, I can understand why people were a bit like, mm, "It's not quite the thing we wanted after the blackening," but like. Very, very difficult to follow the blackening up. And then I thought, when I got Bloodstone and Diamonds, I was like, this is like the perfect halfway house between the blackening and Burn My Eyes. Yeah. Like, got all the stuff. And I was like, it's great. It's like Machine Head, the bat, it's going to happen. And everyone just sort of ignored it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. So I was, just, I was just kind of looking back at some of the track lists. Yeah, it's a fucking great album. I feel like it kind of... Um... Yeah, I don't know what happened really. I mean, you know, Machine Heads have not, it's not like Machine Heads have dropped out, one of, dropped out of existence. They're one of the most kind of upfront and center metal bands in the world still. But um, I don't know, I guess maybe like it just felt like they were the kind of anointed ones of metal on the Blackening. And then it just didn't quite work out for them on Onto the Locust. And they tried and they did Wembley, but it didn't really work. And then by the time Bloodstone and Diamonds came about, it was kind of like, I don't know, I guess. It's not like the scene had moved on because Machine Head on their best form is still where it's at. But I guess they just they just weren't the they weren't the band that everyone was kind of planting the flag behind at that point. I mean, Blood Sun and Diamonds came out like the year after Semper Turner and stuff. And I know these album these two artists are not linked at all, but you just kind of think where everyone's focus was and what was going on in the scene that time. Um, it's just a shame because you know if Machine Head had put out Blood Sun and Diamonds after the Blackening, who knows what might have happened? Yeah. It's such, I mean, I think it's a real shame, particularly when you listen to uh, stuff like Is There Anybody Out There and mm. m- m- much of Catharsis. Like, fair play to them for trying something new on Catharsis, but, like, it's not what I want to hear from Machine Head. And I think they'd made probably... If, if they'd have followed up The Blackening with Bloodstone and Diamonds, I think it might have been a f- quite a different story, personally. Mm. But, um, yeah. I would I, I, I would have to agree. But you know, big ups Rob Flynn, we love him very much. He's been uh, he's been kind of in uh, in social media a lot recently talking about all the shit he gets for basically just saying don't be a cunt and racism is bad and all these kind of fundamentals that you think people shouldn't have a problem with. But there we go. Here we are. That's the internet. Uh we love you, Rob. Uh that is it for this week's show. Um, thanks for your support, everybody. As I said, latest issue of Metal Hammer's out there right now. It's great. We've got bundles to come. Uh, we've got some new subscription deals on the way as well. We've got loads of fun stuff we've got planned for you this year. I know it's been an absolutely bizarre, crazy, upsetting, confusing start of the year. 
but um, there is good stuff to come as well. Don't you worry about that. Be good to each other and um, don't let hate dictate your life. I think it's probably a good thing to say, isn't it? Yeah, if you said it with a bit more confidence than that, yeah, it probably would have been. Well, yeah, I just don't want to sound too sanctimonious, but for fuck's sake, don't let hate dictate your life because uh, as we've seen recently, it doesn't lead to good things at all. So look after each other and be well. Cheers, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.